Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Well, welcome everybody. It is good to see everyone on site. Welcome to everybody online as well. I'm Jacob Young. I'm the lead pastor here at Cornerstone. Thrilled to have you with us and thrilled. Can we just give glory to God that our air conditioner is fixed? Oh my goodness. We're we're starting a series today called Discussion with the Devil. In the last few weeks, it felt like we were having a discussion with the devil. It was so hot in here. Um, But big thanks to Ben Chenard, a ministry partner here at Cornerstone. He's been working tirelessly on getting this fixed for us. So can we give it up for Ben real quick? Thank you, Ben. Well, like I just said, we are, we're starting this brand new series at Cornerstone today called Discussion with the Devil. And as we kick it off, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever felt like you're not alone? Ever felt like you're not alone? Uh, Just this last week, my wife was taking uh, our kids to school. We have two kids in school, one who's not, but he's young enough. She was taking them uh, with her, Eden and Evelyn, dropping them off at school. And so I'm alone in the house. They've been gone for maybe like five minutes. I go upstairs to finish getting ready. I brewed a cup of coffee. I go upstairs to finish getting ready so I can go to work. And as I'm up there, um, again, I know I'm home alone. I know I'm home alone. Um, But I hear behind me a hiccup, like a hiccup. And it sounds like a kid. Now, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, I'm home alone. No one else is there. I don't scare, I'm out, right? Absolutely. I don't scare easily, but I'm a little freaked out in this moment. I'm like, I'm about to have to exercise some hiccuping demon in this house today. Like, I don't know what's going on. And so I do a like slow turn. I'm brushing my teeth and I'm kind of look. I look out like into our bedroom. There's nobody there. But then movement catches my eye and I look down and it's my dog, Teddy. Teddy, we got a little shorky. He's the cutest little guy, little shorky. And he's sitting right there in the bathroom, just sitting, looking at me. And I'm like, okay, was that, was that hiccup Teddy? It sounded like a kid hiccup, not a dog hiccup. So for the next 12 seconds, I kid you not, me and Teddy are just locked, just eyes. Just, I'm like, I need, I need to see this dog hiccup. Like, I need to see it. And so we're just staring at each other. And sure enough, after about 12 seconds, he, I'm like, okay, put away the holy water. Put it back in its holster real quick. We're good. <laughs> But that freaked me out because that kind of stuff normally doesn't like throw me, right? But in that moment, the reason I was freaked out was because it felt like I'm supposed to be alone, but I'm not, <laughs> right? That's a, that's a scary feeling. Now, what we're gonna be basing this series off of is the idea that I think a lot of times um, we can get these ideas in our head, these mindsets in our head, these, these things that pop up and we wonder where in the world did that come from? Where did that negativity come from? Where did that self-hatred come from? Where did that guilt come from? That, that shame, where in the world is this coming from? And what I would wager and what I believe scripture points to us time and time again is yes, sometimes that's our own negative self-talk, but other times it's something else. Other times we're not alone. Scripture is very clear on the idea that we do have an enemy in the world and an enemy that is not passive, but is very, very active. What I want us to do, we're going to start off looking at two scriptures today as we begin this series, and these two scriptures are going to be foundational for every week to come. Um, So what we're going to look first is the book of John chapter 8, just one quick verse. This is from John 8, 44. Listen to what Jesus says as he describes who our enemy, the devil, is. He says this, for you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. 
He was always a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's our enemy. Our enemy kills, he steals, he destroys, he accuses, and he's active. He is not passive. He is working in the world. But the good news is, is that we are not hopeless and we are not helpless against our enemy. This is what it says in the book of James, chapter four, verses six and seven. It says, God gives grace generously. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So what we learn here is that, yes, we do have a real enemy. Yes, he is active. Yes, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But we are not hopeless and we are not helpless. That as we humble ourselves through the power of the Spirit, as we humble ourselves, we can actually resist the devil and he must flee. I want you to repeat after me. If I resist, he will flee. One more time. If I resist, he will flee. That is so pivotal that we understand that, that we are not hopeless and we are not helpless. You have power through the Holy Spirit to actually resist your enemy. You have power to fight back against the devil and his lies because that's who he is. He is the father of lies. How scripture worded it, it's consistent with his character. Some translations word it this way, when he lies, he is speaking in his native tongue. That's who he is at a core level. So what that means, and this is, this is imperative that we understand this, what that means is that with the devil, with the devil, every discussion is based in deceit. Every single one. This is what that looks like with some skin on, okay? What that looks like in your life is that every time you have an impulse, every time you have a thought, every time you have something that pops up, a, a mindset that is contrary to the things of God, every single one of those is contrary and it's a lie. It's based in deception. The, 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 the mindset, the impulse that you have that, hey, go ahead and do that thing. Go ahead and do this, do that, think this, think that. It's not gonna hurt that much. It's not gonna be that bad. Every single one of those lies is based in deceit. It will always cost you more than you wanted to pay. It will hold you longer than you wanted to be held. It'll take you farther than you wanted to go. With the devil, every discussion is based in deceit. So our enemy, he lies all the time. There's countless lies that he tells us, but what we're gonna be doing through today and the next four weeks to follow is we're gonna be focusing in on five specific lies of the devil. And today, the first lie we're gonna be looking at is the devil saying to us, did God really say? Did God really say? Did God really say that? And for the first lie, we don't have to go far. First lies in the first book of scripture. He gets to work pretty quickly. We're gonna be looking uh, for the rest of our time at Genesis chapter two, just a few quick verses, and then Genesis chapter three. So if you have your Bible and wanna follow along, we're gonna be Genesis chapter two, starting in verse 15. It says this, the Lord God placed the man, placed Adam in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him. Now listen to what God says here. You may freely eat the fruit of what kind of tree? Every tree. You may eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, every single one, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So God is giving them this command that's actually a very uh, a free command, a very liberating command. Say, hey, 
You can eat of anything that you want here except this one tree. Now let's skip ahead to Genesis 3 and let's see what happens. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, listen to what Satan says here. Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Any of them? You can't eat from any. See how he's already trying to distort God's truth. Verse two, of course we may eat from the fruit of the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat of it or touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. With that, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking around in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit. The blame game, the booze, the boo birds are out. It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. The blame game starts and with that, humanity takes a fall. Sin enters the picture. You see, what Satan does here, he, he enters this picture where God in Genesis chapter 2 had given a very clear, serious command, right? There, that's very clear. You can eat from any tree but this one. If you do, you will die. That's a very clear command. But what Satan does is he comes in and he starts asking questions. Did God really say did God really say, you see, what Satan did and what the devil wants to do, the devil wants to provide confusion where God has provided clarity, right? He, he wants to provide and produce confusion on areas that God has been very, very clear. You just saw it for yourselves. God said, hey, eat from any tree but one. Satan comes in and says, man, God won't let you eat from any tree? Whew, man, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty harsh. Doesn't sound like a loving God to me. He comes into a situation that's abundantly clear and in, immediately introduces confusion. And my son, Griffin, he's going to be turning three next month. Um, we, we have like, you know, YouTube kids on our phone and like little kid apps and stuff like that. And so every now and then if I'm working or my wife's working, we'll put it on YouTube kids and hand it to them and give them the instructions. Just watch. Please don't press buttons. Just don't press buttons. Just watch it. Like we've, we've turned on Bluey. You'll be happy. You like Bluey. We've turned on like Puppy Dog Pals. You'll, you'll enjoy Puppy Dog Pals. Just leave it there. Just watch. And sometimes he does. Uh, sometimes he doesn't. Uh, <laughs> and a while back, I remember giving him my phone, putting it on, and he's watching like a Mickey Mouse, like Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. And I'm noticing as I'm working, I hear off to the side, I've been hearing Mickey talk like this, you know, doing a little, the, that actually wasn't too bad, was it? That was pretty, that was a pretty good, thank you. That was a pretty good Mickey. Um, <laughs> maybe that's my side hustle. I can do voiceovers, right? Um, but I hear Mickey's voice and all of a sudden I notice it changes. Like I've heard Mickey saying like, hey, where's Pluto? And then all of a sudden I start hearing, donde esta Pluto? 
Donde esta Pluto? What in the world? It's like a deep voice. I'm like, what is going on? I look over. He somehow switched not just the, the video, but the whole YouTube Kids app to like Spanish. I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I, like, I didn't know I was going to have to bust out my high school Spanish class skills for today to figure this thing out. Took me so long, I debated just deleting the app and re-downloading it. Like, this isn't worth the trouble. But my pride was involved at that point. I'm like, I'm going to figure this thing out. And so I did. I finally got it back. But it took forever, right? Because all of the stuff was now in a different language, and it was very confusing all of a sudden. And I think about that, and I think about what the enemy does to us, and that's exactly how he works. Something that's so clear. The instructions are so clear. Just watch. Just watch. Once confusion comes into this picture, once confusion gets added in, suddenly that very simple instruction becomes crazy. And you don't even know how to just watch. You don't even know how to pick videos or how to get out of it because confusion has entered the picture. And that's exactly what our enemy wants to do. What God has made clear, what God has just said, here you go, just, just do this. He comes in and introduces confusion every single time in hopes to make us frustrated. So what he does is he takes things that's supposed to be simple, like, like God's will for your life. Here's, here's God's will for your life, for your own individual life. I'm going to tell you God's will for you. To become more like Jesus. That's everybody. That's God's will. But what the devil does is he gets in and he gives us this idea, that like, no, God's will is who I'm going to marry. God's will is what school I'm going to. God's will is what I major in. God's will is what career I'm going to have. God's will is where I live. God's will is what school my kids go to. And so this thing that's supposed to be so simple, becoming more like Jesus, suddenly we overcomplicate the tar out of this thing and it becomes overwhelming and we stress out. And so whenever you look online, if you do a Google search, the autocomplete, it will just fill it. What is God's instantly will for my life. People are so confused. People, I don't know, it's so confusing. God works in such mysterious ways. I have no idea what he wants me to do when it's actually very simple. But the enemy wants to confuse us. The enemy wants to frustrate us. The enemy wants us to be confused about that. He wants us to be confused literally on what it just means to be a Christian. We have Saturday services here at Cornerstone. We have Saturday night services at six. We have a lady, an awesome lady in our church, who asked me after one service, she's like, hey, I just want to make sure, I feel like this isn't right, but a friend of mine told me that I was wrong for coming to church on Saturday, like that that's, like, that's wrong, and she asked me what church I go to, they shouldn't be doing that, and that I'm, I'm in danger by going to a church that has Saturday night services, because that's obviously such a huge, huge rule in scripture for us, right? And this was a well-meaning person, but they ushered in confusion, and questions, and frustration, and that's exactly what our enemy wants to do. He wants to take things that are very clear and make them very confused. That is why it is so vital you read scripture for yourself. I love that you're here on Sundays. I love that you tune in on Sundays. This is no substitute for daily being in the word yourself. It's just not. You need, you need to see it for your own two eyes sometimes, not just take what Pastor Jacob has heard or Pastor Brenda or Pastor Donnie. You need to read it for yourself, just the unfiltered word of God. See it for yourself. See what he says yourself so that you can know what God really said, right? But see, the, the devil doesn't just work on that level on, well, did God really say? Another thing that he tries to do is he gets us with, well, is it really that bad? Okay, yeah, sure, God said it, but come on, I mean, how bad is it really? <laughs> it's not actually going to ruin your life or anything. You see, what the devil does is the devil works to downplay God's truth. 
He works to downplay it. Look at what he said in verse four. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. Come on, it's fruit. You think you're gonna die from some fruit? You're not going to die. It's not that bad. Can I tell you how many lives have been broken by someone diving into something that on the outset they thought, it's not gonna be that bad? How, how, how much could this really hurt? How much could this really cost me? The devil is constantly over-promising and under-delivering, constantly. Uh, my dad, whenever we were growing up, every year, every single year, we would get ready to set up the Christmas lights outside. We would never do it towards the beginning of November. No, 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 that makes too much sense. We would do it, <laughs> we would do it right as we're like getting ready to head into December, right before Thanksgiving. So it's cold out. A lot of years it had snowed by that point. And my dad, you knew it was coming. He wouldn't even give us the like, hey, it's Monday, this Saturday, boys. We're gonna set up the lights. No, 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 no. That's not how it would work. It would be Saturday, and we're, you know, we're just lounging around the house, and then, hey, boys, can you come here real quick? Real quick. Like, like this is gonna be real fast. You go upstairs and, hey, uh, we need to get the lights up today. Only take about 30 minutes. That's it. 30 minutes. 30, yeah, right. We're out there two hours plus frostbitten and frustrated, right? In the first year, I believed him. The first year, I'm like, oh yeah, 30 minutes, this won't be bad. From then on, I'm like, I can't trust a word you say. Like, I know this is gonna take so much longer. He was completely and utterly downplaying how much this was actually gonna cost, how much time this was actually going to take. That's what our enemy does. He, he makes things look so innocent and so harmless on the front end that a lot of us, whenever we get ready to step into making a bad decision, when we get ready to step in to sin, a lot of us, if we're being honest, we're not blindsided that it's wrong. Like, oh, this was wrong. I shouldn't have done that? No, I didn't know. No, a lot of us are stepping into it saying, you know what, easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. How bad will this really hurt? Like, this isn't really going to do that much. If I do this, if I do that, it's not really going to hurt that much. And what has happened is the devil has downplayed God's truth, and we've fallen for it. We've fallen for it. I want to tell you probably the best way to fight back against that. Obviously, Scripture, yes, but really what's a, what's a good way to fight back against this when the devil tries to downplay God's truth in your life? You need to get a mentor or you need to get involved in a C group. We have C group signups out in the lobby today. You need to get around people who are further down the road than you in the Christian faith because these people, when you're around them and you're actually in community and, and living life together with these people, you will be able to toss around ideas and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking about doing. This is what, this is what I've, been, I've been tempted with. This is where I'm struggling. You're able to toss this stuff out and people can say, hey, been there. <laughs> I thought the same thing as you. I thought there's no way it's gonna cost that much. It's no way it's gonna hurt that bad. It's no way it's gonna sting this much. And I was dead wrong. And now I'm on the other side of it and God's working in me and I, I'm, I'm healing. But let me tell you, it's always gonna cost you more than you wanna pay. It's always gonna hold you longer than you wanna be held. And it's always gonna take you farther than you wanna go. You need people in your life who have that experience so it doesn't just seem theoretical right? It's actual. You know actual people with names in your life who have been through this and know that it doesn't work. We need people in our life. You need help, and I do too, because the devil is good. 
He is very good at his job. Let's not confuse things. Yes, the devil is a defeated enemy, absolutely. Yes, the devil has had power stripped from him. Of course, that's all true. But in the midst of that truth is another truth. He is a very skilled liar. He is a very skilled liar. He is a very skilled manipulator. Let's not mess up the facts here. He is very good at what he does, and so we need help. Because the devil doesn't just downplay God's truth. That can get a lot of us. That can get mature Christians too, but especially new Christians who are like, well, you know, how big of a deal is this? But there's something the devil does that's more sneaky, more devious. He doesn't just downplay God's truth. He distorts God's truth. The devil works to downplay God's truth, and the devil works to distort God's truth. He takes God's truth, and there's just enough truth in it that it sounds good, but he tweaks it. He manipulates it. He distorts it. He changes it up just enough. Again, listen to what he said. He says, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat the fruit, and you will be like God knowing both good and evil. You hear that and we're like, oh, lie. Like the devil's lying. Of course he lies. That's a a lie. But listen to what it says in verse seven of chapter three. At that moment, as they took the fruit, their eyes were opened. The devil was right. He just said it. Verse five, as soon as you eat it, your eyes will be opened. Just enough truth. Just enough truth, but distorted. I want to ask, and let's see how comfortable and how honest we can be in here today. Where are my people who always run late? Come on. There, there they are. There they are. This is, this is so funny. I want to see the hands online, too. Can I tell you something that's so funny? First service, we only had, like, maybe five people raise their hands out of a full room. The 11 o'clock service, the late service is like, yep, that's me. I'm always running late. Right? You're, you're the, like, I'd be at the noon service if there was a noon service. Uh, <laughs> the people online are like, I'm never late. I'm always on time. Like I just, whenever I'm there, church starts. It's perfect. Um, but for all my people who, who run late, now let's see if we can be real, real honest. How many of the ones who run late, but you still show up to the meeting with the iced coffee? There you are. Now you are the brave people who will still admit that. <laughs> um, but you know how it goes. If you're one of those people, if you're, if you're someone who runs late, you're running late. Let's say you're, you've got a meeting here at the church, all right, and you're running late. Or like some, you're meeting a friend here, and they're already here. Church started five minutes ago. They send you a text, where are you at? Like, where are you at? And you reply back, I'm on Arlington. I'm on Arlington. You, <laughs> you know what you're doing. <laughs> Is it a lie? No, you're on Arlington. You've just neglected to mention the fact that Arlington is 15 miles long and runs from downtown Akron to Jackson Township. But you've left that out. I'm on on Arlington. Like, back off. Like, I'm practically there, right? And so, is it true? Sure. It's true. It's distorted truth. Sure, you're on Arlington, but you're not close. (laughs) Sure, your eyes will be opened but you're not gonna be like God. All the wonderful things that are about to happen are not going to happen. Not the way that you're seeing it, not the way that I'm telling you they're gonna happen. There's just enough truth, just enough truth that it sounds really, really good, but it's not. And we see this happen all the time. The devil gets us to do this all the time. He gets us to do this in our churches, right? He'll give us, he'll help point us to the truth that you know what, God is love. 
Amen? God is love. He absolutely is love. But what the devil then wants us to do with that is say, and you know what? God is love on how you define love, which means there's no such thing as sin and everything's all loosey-goosey and God is just kind of like, hey, I love everybody and everything's fine. And no, as long as you have a good heart, I really don't care what you do because everything's great and everything's wonderful. The devil takes that truth and he distorts it. The devil takes the truth that God is holy. Amen? God is holy. God is a holy God. But the devil takes that truth and then distorts it. God is holy. So don't let those people into your church. Make sure you condemn those people. Judge the heck out of everybody you meet because, hey, after all, God is holy. Ooh, God can't be around sin. God takes a truth, or the devil takes a truth from God, and he distorts it. He changes it. He manipulates it. That's what's so wonderful about the Holy Spirit because, yes, we have Scripture, and yes, we have community, but we don't just have those things. We have the Holy Spirit in our life. So anytime the devil issues something into our life that creates doubt, that creates question, we're like, really? Did God really say that? Because th this, this sounds kind of good because the devil's downplaying and distorting. And so we have doubt now. We're like, I don't know. The amazing thing is we don't just need scripture and we don't just need people. We actually have the Holy Spirit walking with us, guiding us in spirit and truth. We have access to God actually ministering and confirming to our heart what is the truth. So while the enemy distorts, the Holy Spirit clarifies. He brings it back. He says, no, 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 no. That's, he's downplaying it. He's downplaying it. This is going to cost you more. No, he's distorting it. That's not what God said. That's not what God means. The Holy Spirit clarifies where the enemy distorts. And so that, that voice that you've heard, <laughs> that voice that you've heard that, that you just called your intuition, or you just called your gut, right? That's just my gut. That's my intuition. That's my conscience. Friend, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit talking to your heart, confirming things. You're not, uh, I don't know if I should go with my gut. No, that is God speaking to you, speaking to you, trying to point you in the way of his truth and in the way of his will. So your job, your job is not for you to be a, a, a scholar and know all of the truth just off the top of your head. You know all truth. That's not your job. Your job is to listen to the truth as the Holy Spirit speaks it to you and then be led into that truth. To take, your, to take your doubts, to take your questions to him and say, hey, I'm submitting myself to you. Uh, th this sounds good. This sounds like, like something I should do, but you know what, God? I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you with my doubts, with my questions, and I'm believing that you will lead me in the way of truth. The Holy Spirit will clarify where the enemy distorts. That is why it's so vital that we find ourselves in Scripture in community and walking in the spirit. Because when we do that, we are precisely where the enemy does not want us. He doesn't want us there. Because I, I will tell you this much, if you are regularly reading God's word, if you're regularly engaging in community with other people who are actually actively pursuing Jesus, and you're regularly walking in the spirit, talking to God every day, praying, if you're doing those things, your likelihood to fall for the devil's downplaying and distortion of God's word is slim to none. So, the, so he doesn't want you there. <laughs> so that's why he will do everything he possibly can. He will downplay and he will distort. And here's the end game. Here's the end goal. This is the win for our enemy, distance. He will distort God's word. He will downplay God's word in an effort to get you to fall. And then when you fall, create distance between you and God. He wants you to have shame. He wants you to have guilt. He wants you to have fear. The devil works to distance us from God's 
truth. Listen real quick again to what it says uh, after Adam and Eve took from the fruit, or took from the tree, ate the fruit. Listen to what it says. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they ran to God to ask for forgiveness. So they came close to God knowing they needed him now more than ever. No, no, no. They heard God, so they hid. They hid. They hid from the Lord among the trees and the Lord called out to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid because I was afraid. That's the win. That's the win for the enemy. Distance. He will downplay and he will distort God's word in an effort to get us distanced from our father. He wants the shame and the fear and the guilt to drive a wedge between us. Chances are you've experienced something like this in your life. Whenever me and my wife Jessica moved to Cleveland to start a church, I've told you guys this story a lot. Um, Whenever we moved up there, we were trying to finance the church plant and trying to finance our own personal life, and that was a mess, and it led to the repossession of not one, but two cars, and it led to not just the turning off of our water, of our electricity, but of our gas, all at different points, just a really, really exciting time, right? It it was wild, Um, and I can remember, we'd had a few things happen, but I can remember the day that the gas got turned off, because I went and I turned, I went to turn on the uh, hot water uh, to wash my hands, it's only cold because of all the other stuff that had happened. Isn't that funny? Whenever you, you know there's no hot water coming out and your first thought isn't, oh, but the pilot's out. Nope, I knew. I'm like, eh, that ain't the pilot. <laughs> like, it's not the pilot light. And so sure enough, I go outside and there's a tag on the gas meter. And I'm, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Like, what are we going to do? And in that moment, Jessica wasn't home yet. My wife wasn't home. Now, she, she handled everything great. She handled everything great. This had nothing to do with her. But my own fear, my own shame, my own guilt, I kid you not, the moment I saw that little tag, the quick thought just passed through my head, what if I just left? <laughs> like, what if I just took off and started a new life somewhere? <laughs> like, because let me tell you, I don't want to deal with this. Like, I don't, man, I don't want to deal with this. Like, again, not because I was afraid of her reaction, but I, I, was, I was afraid for her to come home. Like, I was afraid. I wanted distance, not because of who she was, but because of how I felt. The fear that I felt for not being a good husband, for not providing well, for not being able to manage things well, the, the, the shame, the guilt, my feelings drove a distance, had me scared, had me nervous, had me filled with shame and guilt. That is exactly what our enemy wants. He wants us to fall for his lie. He wants us to fall for, did God really say, when he downplays and distorts God's truth, he wants us to fall for it. And this is what is just so unbelievably insidious about our enemy. He, he distorts and he downplays God's word. And when we fall for it, he disparages us for it. He condemns us for the very thing he just called us to do. Come on, it won't be that bad. It's not going to hurt that much. God's, God's overblowing it. This is not going to be that bad. After all, I mean, it's kind of something that God has told you to do, right? Like to eat from trees. What's one more tree? And then the second we do it, how could you? I thought you loved God. I thought you were a Christ follower. Oh, it doesn't look like Jesus to me. You know what? You should just back up because he does not want to hear from you. You messed up again? Oh, same area too. Yeah, he doesn't want to hear from you. The devil works to drive distance between us and our father. It's what he wants to do. It's 
his win. When the opposite is true, that's the moment we need God more than ever. Is in those moments. I've seen this circulating on, on social media. Chances are you may have seen it. I don't know what pastor it was to credit them, but it's so good. Um, talking about this idea that, you know, whenever you first get your license and you're driving a car, if you've ever dinged your car or you've crashed or you've hit somebody else and you have that panic attack, oh crap, my dad's going to kill me, <laughs> right? Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. I can't believe I, I hit this pole. I can't believe I hit this person. The car's totaled. My dad is going to kill me. That is what the enemy wants us to believe about our faith. When you mess up, when you sin, when you screw up, go anywhere where God is not because he doesn't want to see you. And when he does, he is going to light you up. He's going to be livid at you. He's going to be angry at you. When the fact of the matter is about our faith that whenever we crash the car, that's when we need to call dad. That's when we need our father closer than ever to us because he knows what to do. He knows how to fix it. And he knows how to comfort us in a way that nobody else can. That's precisely when we need him the most is in the midst of us falling for the scams of the devil. Don't you dare let the devil win by driving you away from your father. Don't let, don't let him do it. That is the time that you need him the most. I'm gonna ask the worship team, if they would, to come back up on the stage. As they do, I, I just wanna sum all of this up today with this. Um, when Adam and Eve, when the devil came to them, when the serpent came to them and started tossing around some doubt, started asking some questions to create doubt in Eve, saying, hey, did God really say this? Oh, come on, it's not that bad. After all, I mean, God wants you to eat from some of the trees. What's one more tree? The devil comes in, he distorts and downplays God's truth, and it creates doubt in Eve. She's suddenly on the fence. This thing that was so clear now, she's like, I don't, I don't really know. This is what I want to tell you. If that's where you are and you have doubts, you're, you're wondering, I don't know. I mean, what, what should I really do in this situation? I'm wanting to do this, but I don't really know if I should. Anytime the devil creates doubts in you, this is what I'll tell you. Doubt on its own. Doubt is not dangerous. It's not. Doubt is a doorway. That's what doubt is. Doubt isn't dangerous. Doubt is a doorway. And we get to choose what door we go through. And so what I would tell you is that the doubts that the devil generates in your mind or in your heart, take those doubts to the source. Take those doubts to God. Take those doubts to the source, not to the serpent. You know what the serpent's going to tell you. You know what he's gonna tell you and it's not gonna be anything to help. Uh, for, for example, if you've ever been sick before, you've, you've had a cough, you've had a cold, you've you felt a lump, something like that, you usually have one of two options. You can either contact your family doctor, the person who knows you, the person who's been taking care of you, the person who knows all your personal vitals, the person who knows your family history, they know all of it. You can go to them or you can go to WebMD. <laughs> How's that work for you in the past, right? Go on there to check out your cold and think you have cancer. That's how, that's how WebMD works, right? You're, you're just looking for a little home remedy and you're finding out you got a week to live after you check out WebMD. And that's what happens when you don't go to the source, but you go to the serpent. When you go to the source, when you go to your family doctor, they can, they can tell you, hey, calm down. It's gonna be okay. We're gonna get a plan. We're gonna get this worked out. I, I know you, I know your history, I know your vitals, I know where you're at. We're going to get this worked out. Don't fear. You take it to WebMD, you leave more confused, more scared, more terrified than you were before. Take your doubts to the right place. Every time the devil makes you start to wonder, really, don't talk back to him. Take it to God and say, really, 
Like really, what, what, what should I really do here? How should I really navigate this? Because when you do that, Jesus himself will remind you of who he is, his truth, and who you are in light of that truth every single time. So doubt doesn't have to end in disobedience like it did with Adam and Eve. Doubt doesn't have to end there. It can end in reassurance. Reassurance of the fact that God loves you, God died for you, and God is here for you. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.